Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast, featuring compelling interviews with big-hearted people in the Oklahoma City metro area who are leading, creating, and innovating on purpose. Get inspired by conversations with passionate difference makers from our local community. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, life purpose coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. On today's episode, we sit down with Blythe Donovan, an entrepreneur, caring mom, and spreader of joy wherever she goes, with a passion for helping others to change generational storylines. And now, the Live Your Purpose podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Live Your Purpose podcast. I'm here today with Blythe Donovan, who's a serial entrepreneur and independent insurance agent. She has a background in marketing, psychology, and education, which she uses to help small businesses grow and flourish. If she had to sum up what she wants to do with her life, it would be to spread joy and take care of people. Fortunately, insurance allows her to do that. Blythe has been a single mom to two beautiful children for over 10 years now and loves getting to be a mom. In her spare time, she likes to go on road trips with her children, exploring the beauty of the world. She helps other people navigate the perils and heartbreak of divorce and of overcoming their struggles when life doesn't go the way they thought it would. She loves to write and someday hopes to complete her book. She's an avid reader and a nature lover and finds joy in all circumstances. Blythe, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Charles. I'm excited to be here. I'm really glad to have you on. You are the first guest of the new year, so happy 2021 to you. Well, yay. Thank you. Happy 2021. So far, it's going better than last year. Knock on wood. Right. Okay. I've got some wood over here. That's yes. that sound. Okay. I just knocked on my desk. <laughs> uh, well, we've known each other for a while now, a few years. I lose track mm-hmm. of time, but, uh, but it's really been good getting to know you and we've worked together a couple of times now in fundraisers and speaking mm-hmm. opportunities and uh, opportunities to be helpful to others. And I've really enjoyed that. Me too. I think it's really nice when you meet somebody else who's kind of a kindred spirit in terms of wanting to help out and, and make the world a brighter place. Right. And that's, why not? That's you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, likewise. So very glad to have you on. Blythe, as you may know, we start each episode off with a kickoff question and you've chosen yours. So we'll yes. just start off with that and we'll see where the conversation takes us. Perfect. Okay. So Blythe, what did you want to be when you grew up? So my whole life, the one thing that has been consistent that I wanted to be has been a mom. Um, in my head when I was little, that was a stay-at-home mom with money and like limitless resources and a clean house. And so the reality doesn't look exactly like, <laughs> like I thought it would. <laughs> um, but I've always wanted to, to raise kids and get to help them kind of see the world. And that's, that's been my goal. Right. That's awesome. And I, like I said, been following along with you on social media as well for all the, all that time. And I've seen some of your travel pictures and your adventures with your kids and as a fellow family person and a nature lover, uh, I've seen some amazing places. What are some of your favorite spots that you've been to go with your kids? So my very, very favorite place in the whole world out of all the places I've been fortunate to go has been Glacier National Park in Montana. Um, The Montana side of it is just incredibly beautiful and going through Glacier National Park um, was the best day of my whole life including the day that I had each of my kids I love them but uh, childbirth was not as much fun as mountain hiking so (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I uh, we did an amazing and epic road trip 
maybe two years ago now, uh, maybe almost three now, I don't know, I lose track of time too, but where we drove from Oklahoma to Denver and we stopped there and um, went to see, my daughter was actually born when we lived in Denver. And so we did the nostalgia tour of Denver and um, explored some of the things there and then drove up to Montana and um, through Wyoming, did the Montana thing for a couple of days and then went down to stay with a family friend in Idaho and went four wheeling up over the, um, what's it called? The Continental Divide. Sorry, I couldn't think of the name. Um, over the Continental Divide. And um, it was really nice because we weren't super scheduled. It was just when the spirit moves us to stop, we're going to stop and enjoy where we are. There wasn't a strict timeline on we have to see these 16 things. Um, it was just a perfect vacation. And all three of us really look back fondly on that. Um, and it for me, it felt like a badge of honor as a single mom to be able to drive cross country with my kids. Like that's and they're getting older now. They're 16 and 12 now. Um, so it's a little easier than it used to be to think about taking them somewhere. Um, but we've been all sorts of places. We've been to California and done, um, let's see, we did the San Diego Zoo while we were in California and went to La Jolla and had the, the seals that are on the beach there um, petted my daughter because you're not allowed to pet them. But she was just very, very patient and sat very still on the beach next to one and eventually it rolled over and like put a flipper on her. And so she likes to say she was petted by a, a seal on the beach. Um, and that's amazing. We've gone to Florida. And yeah. It's just, it's fun. I want to show the kids that there's more to the world than mm. just our tiny little corner of it. Right. And to um, me, I'm just guessing they're getting those experiences and you're getting some feedback. So, what are some of the things that they told you either on the, the biggest trip, the best trip, or on any of the trips that give you a, a sense of? How they're seeing the world um they i think it's fun for them to get to see some of the struggles that are the same across the nation um my son really has a heart for the homeless and mm. um i think whenever we do venture through bigger cities that's the thing that he points out all the time is you know oh i'm so i'm so sorry for them that they're that they're homeless how can we help them you know he's had me drive like 15 miles out of our way to hand somebody a pizza or things like that because that's just where his heart is and and i want my kids to be aware of things like that um my daughter doesn't notice those things as much but um animals is her passion and so um, on our way through Wyoming, we stopped and looked at the um, Mustang Roundup where they wild up, round up all the wild Mustangs yeah. and res rescue them from the wild. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ironic, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, that's the air quotes around rescue. But, yes, right. Um, but it's on her heart to really be able to help them. And I like seeing their passions come out as we explore these things. And then I also like them to know that that there are a lot of other things out there in the world. Um, I haven't been able to take them on a mission trip yet, but I was blessed enough to get to go to Peru at one point and build houses for a family that we've adopted and that we kind of help fund every month. Um, and I want them to have experiences like that because I think it's really easy when this is our life to get caught up in the, 
oh, you know, poor me, my my brand new PC is running slowly. Like, right. Like the serious first world problems. It is. Um, and so I ever since that was one of the things that motivated me to want to be a mom when I was little is because I I wanted to teach my kids to be caring for others and to notice things like that. So yeah. can you track that back to where you first started to have that impulse or those stirrings for wanting to be a mom and, and have a uh, this really this value for caring in the world with your kids? Well, um, honestly, I, I think I was kind of born wired this way. Yeah. <laughs> um, my, my EQ, as they say, is, is off the charts usually. No doubt. Um, and, and I'm very drawn to helping people. In elementary school, I was the kid who would come home in tears because other people were mean to each other. Yeah. Nobody would pick on me, but I would be just devastated and in tears about the way that my classmates would talk to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I've always, my mom has called me tender heart bear most of my life because that's just, I'm, I, I was born with that empathy. And I feel when I was little, it used to hurt a lot because it hurts a lot to care that much mm -hmm. about things. Um, and as I've gotten older, I've seen that it's actually a real blessing to be somebody who cares because you have the ability to change the world and help change people's perspective of it. Um, and I would much rather be somebody who feels things a little too much than somebody who just doesn't care at all. Um, and in terms of that, from a maternal standpoint, yeah, I have probably the world's most supportive and amazing parents. Um, and we've been through a lot of really hard things in our lives. Um, we've overcome a lot of abuse and addiction and, and various things that my family has struggled through. Um, but the overarching theme of that has been that we're through it together. And, and so I really wanted the opportunity to get to be a mom and, and pass that on too. And um, man, have we been given the chance to walk through some really hard things together too. But I think it cements you as a family. Yeah, that's incredible. And I can tell that, and I knew this before we, you were on today, but uh, that you spent a lot of time and a lot of years and, and reflecting on, on these intentions and on how you're wired and, and uh, this overarching theme of, of caring for the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious uh, to ask you now in terms of caring and, and being tenderhearted, which I would claim for myself as well. So any, any guys out there listening that would label themselves as traditional male, whatever that may mean to you, uh, please care please care. If that's how you're wired, or if that's what you want to do, please do it. The world needs it. But, Absolutely. but my, my question for you, Blythe, is like this, this aspect of joy. Where does joy come in into your life besides everywhere? But I mean, how does it find its way into, <laughs> into these soft spots, into this, into these tenderhearted places? So um, I have all, my name actually means happy, joyful one. That's what Blythe means. Oh. Um, and so I feel like Again, just because that happens to be my name, that's sort of how I came wired, um, where it can be a bad day, I can be, you know, in in tears and feeling heartbroken on the floor and somebody walks by and I still smile, or I still, you know, when I was in labor with my daughter, it was a horrific 
experience, just absolutely horrible. And the doctor walked in and said, there's no way that you're still smiling through all of this. And I said, well, it's not your fault that this is going wrong. Like, that's you didn't do it. So why wouldn't I smile at you? And they said, that's just like nobody smiles through this. <laughs> I said, well, that's just how I am. Um, and I think for me, there's a huge difference between happiness and joy. Mm. To me, happiness means everything's going well. It's easy to be happy when things are going your way, when you know every you feel like you can't lose, when you feel like the luckiest person in the world, when you know you have money in the bank and and everything. And I know a lot of people who even when everything looks like it's going very well or or is going very well, they're still not happy with that. And to me, that's where the joy comes in. Joy is to me a lot deeper than happiness. Um, my, my joy comes from an innate love of, of other people. And, and honestly, I feel like it's a gift from God um, to be able to find joy in all circumstances. Because no matter how bad things are, there is still something good to find. Whether it's, at least I know things are going to change at some point because that's one certainty in life is things never stay the same. If they're going really, really well, that's going to change. <laughs> and if they're going really, really poorly, that's also going to change. So even finding joy in something like, like that or being able to focus on the areas where I'm really blessed has helped me um, to be joyful through the really hard times too. Um, that's that's incredible. Yeah, I'm not cutting you off. Go ahead if you had more to say. No, on that. no, that's that was the end of it. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so that's incredible. And where my mind is going now is during COVID, during the coronavirus in this past year. What um, what are the dynamics that this caring and joy have have played in your life, and how have you been able to you know sort of stay afloat, so to speak? Um, well, I, like everybody else, even though I'm full of joy, I have hard days. I have days, um, I fight depression quite a bit a lot of the time, which I realize sometimes sounds like it's at odds with somebody whose purpose in life is joy. Um, but I, to me, you can't have the sunshine without the shadows. And mm -hmm. I, I take life in all of it, mm -hmm. in the sunshine and in the shadows, not just the good parts and not just the bad parts. I look at the whole picture and I go, you know, yep, COVID sucks. Like that's just, I don't know anybody who is who is very happy with this. Um, it makes me really sad as, as a caring person mm -hmm. to see the opposite ends of extremes that and how divisive this has been for a lot of people that I know personally, for our nation, for the world. Um, how there seems to be a lot of blame and hurt feelings over something that that's just a scientific virus like <laughs> it's you know and I know the masks have been a really hot button issue and and things like that for people and and I tend to be somebody who's more in the middle on everything because I do look at both sides mm -hmm. and I sort of feel like like can we all just agree to get along and get through this together because like it or not, it's here. Like it or not, masks aren't comfortable. We don't want to get other people sick. You know, whatever your your take on it is, whichever extreme, it's not that the other the other viewpoint is against you personally, 
they're also frustrated with it. And so looking at some of the frustration and being able to go, we're all frustrated guys, but we can make the choice to all be in this together and respect where other people are coming from on it. Um, and I do, even with COVID, I've seen a lot of blessings. Um, my family has, has gone through some really, really hard trauma that we're walking through with my kids right now, um, that came out right as everything was shutting down for COVID and, and it could have felt like that's it. My world is just ending and, you know, everything is as hard and horrible. Um, but instead I've been really grateful for the fact that I've had the chance to go through this hard season with my kids when the rest of the world was kind of put on pause for me, when I can be more available for my kids, when I can take the time out and nobody's questioning like, where did Blythe go? Like what, what happened to her? Um, so it didn't have to turn into this big public thing of of me announcing we're walking through trauma so everything stop you know where I was given that gift of okay everything's naturally closing down so I get more time with my kids and I can support them through this really hard time um and homeschooling them has really been a challenge my son is the most social 12 year old I've ever seen in my whole life he will talk to anyone and so he's really unhappy being at home all the time um, but he also, he sort of inherited my joy and, and as he's healing from some of the trauma that he's walking through right now, we're catching him bopping around the house and dancing and, <laughs> and doing things, even though he, it's not his ideal situation to be home right. the majority of the day. Um, but I think it's teaching him a good lesson about overcoming things. And I do think it helps that. COVID is hard for the whole world. Mm -hmm. It's not just hard for one, one person. It's hard for all of us. Right. You know, so many things that, that you said there, Blythe, anyone listening right now, um, I'm just going to break out and say, please, please share this episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as two caring people talking to one another and, and me mostly listening. Um, Sorry. <laughs> uh, which I, which I need to be. Uh, that's, that's my role. Uh, but as Blythe is sharing these uh, wonderful perspectives, and you can tell, Blythe, you've, we've weathered storms, and you've come through them, and you've learned from them. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think more and more and more people need to hear the words that you're saying, and, and the ideas that I have too. But, but the more that we can get of us that, uh, that believe in love, you know, I hear mm -hmm. love, it hasn't been spoken directly, but we belong to one another. I truly believe yes. that we belong to I, one another. We're one human family. And, uh, and how much better would it be if that's how everybody viewed it? I know. And then lived in line with that. It's, it's hard to live it out when you have differences of opinions. But like you said, if you don't take it so personally, you still belong to that person, regardless if you agree with them or not. If Whatever my perspectives are, I choose love. And right. guess what? I have more joy in my life as a result. <laughs> exactly. Those two things work hand in hand. <laughs> they do. Well, and I think joy has a whole bunch of other aspects that go with it. Um, hope mm -hmm. and gratitude yeah. are two other things that to me and love go, they're all intermingled because in my head, you can't have hope if, if you can't have joy, if you have no hope. 
at all if you can't ever find any hope. Um, it's really hard to feel hopeful if you can't find anything for which you're grateful. Um, it's really hard to to show love if if you feel hopeless and you don't have joy in your life. And I love the way that they all complement each other. And it's just kind of this big ball of of goodness that I really think could benefit humanity. Absolutely. And it's been around for a while, you know, at least a couple of thousand mm -hmm. years. Yes, <laughs> that a, is true. <laughs> as a Christ follower myself, you know, I'm thinking about St. Paul. And, you know, if, if anybody knows, and of course Christ, but mm -hmm. if anybody knows how, how to endure suffering with a patient heart and still experience gratefulness and joy from prison, you know, and persecution and there's there's so many lessons that still apply today, and I hope I'm not uh, going down a rabbit trail. But I'm just I'm just thinking here with you about all the examples of love throughout time, uh, mm -hmm. of joy, of tolerance, at least tolerance, if not respect, and um, being responsible to one one another instead of so individualized and separated. Yes, absolutely. Well, and I love the readings of the saints. I love, I'm also a Christian and I, um, my, one of my favorites is Mother Teresa's quote about do all things with love. Um, and that it, it doesn't have to be something big and huge. Mm -hmm. I think so many times when they think about their purpose for their life, they feel like, well, you know, it, it has to involve a ton of money, or it has to involve something really big that I don't have the skill set for, or, you know, and I think your purpose can be as simple as show kindness and do whatever it is that you choose to do with love. Because if you do that, that has a bigger impact on the world than your salary does. And that's, that may be my personal belief, but I think, I think, again, it would benefit a lot of people to to try and show more love and kindness. Yeah, well, I'll join you on that. So I, I agree with that perspective for my own life. Well, in terms of purpose, this conversation can go any direction, right? And so <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I definitely want to get in the work that you're doing now and your aspirations to be a writer and all this other cool work that you do with, uh, with women around uh, surviving or overcoming divorce, coming mm -hmm. through that, et cetera. But you mentioned the word purpose. So I just uh, want to leave that as an open question. You can take it any direction you want. But what is purpose for you? And, and what does that look like, uh, let's say, lately for you? So, um, oh, there's so many ways I do want to go with that one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> purpose lately, um, purpose for me, oh, gosh, I don't know. That's a hard one. Okay. Um, <laughs> Maybe it's too broad. I can narrow it a bit. Well, yeah. I think um, I'm I'm really grateful. I'm probably going to address a couple different, you know, go down a couple different rabbit holes if that's awesome. all right. Let's do it. Um, first, my purpose right now is um, I'm an independent insurance agent, which I love because I love that I feel like it's helping me to protect and take care of people. Um, and I'm probably way more excited about insurance than the average person is. Um, I firmly believe that that God told me when I walked in to interview for my position almost two years ago now, it's one of the only times in my life I've heard his voice three times total. I was one of the three and I walked in and, and it was like everything around me stopped and he said, this is your next step. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> and I know my purpose in life is to spread joy. That's That was one of the other times that God told me your I put you here to spread joy and to share that and I was like awesome how do I feed my kids spreading joy like that's 
you know, right. That's a real reality is that that your living sometimes has to go side by side with your purpose, Mm -hmm. that your purpose doesn't, isn't necessarily always how you pay the bills. Um, and that there are some life realities that still have to be taken care of, such as car payments and house payments and feeding your children. Um, but I feel like the reason he put me where I am and in the office where I am, I work for MVP insurance in Oklahoma city. Um, and I've been doing it for almost two years and, and there are, I have grown so much through being here. They're mission statement is from Ephesians. Um, it's serve wholeheartedly as are serving as if serving the Lord, not man. And we like to say, you know, it's our, our goal to help others. And we sell a little insurance on the side and that's kind of how they do things. So it's been really refreshing for me to see that I can merge my purpose with my job and, and use that to help small businesses wherever they're struggling to help host educational events. Um, and for us, it really isn't about making the sale. Yes, that's, you know, at the end of the day, I want to make sure somebody is covered correctly because I do care about insurance and I care about people. And I want to make sure that that they, if they have a loss, that their insurance will pay out the way that they want it to. So that's always my goal. Um, but I, my purpose for that is so much bigger because I get to help other business owners. I get to connect with moms, you know, on when you're having a bad day, um, you know, if you wake up and the toilet in the hall has overflown and or has over, that, is that, I don't think that's the right word, over flooded. That's the one I was looking for. Yeah. And you're standing in two inches of water, which is an actual thing that happened to one of my clients mm. on Thanksgiving. She called me. And, and I was able to walk her through, get somebody out there very quickly. And so, and it was nice for her, I think, to have somebody on the other end of the phone who sincerely cared about her and her well-being. I know her kids' names. I know, you know, this was a house that they had just moved into three or four months prior. So I was able to kind of walk her through that in a way where I felt like I was able to show her love and kindness and help her find joy because, what else are you going to do? Like she, we ended up laughing throughout that whole phone call because you can either laugh or cry sometimes. <laughs> and I would much rather laugh in circumstances like that. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So that's, that's been really good for me. Mm-hmm. And I love, I really do love my job. Like that's, it's, I'm happy to come to work every day, um, which is great and makes it easier to come in too, if it's something you like doing. Um the other side of the purpose part of it that I wanted to delve into is um, I also, so God told me it's my mission to share joy. And, and that's been about five years ago now. And I've just kind of been waiting going, okay, um, what do you, what do you want me to do with that? (laughs) And um, I do feel that I'm called to, to help speak to others about joy, help them understand the differences between joy and happiness and how to choose joy in all circumstances. Um, But like I said, I've been waiting for that. Um, And it wasn't until just recently that he kind of showed me the next piece of the puzzle, which is helping people break off generational curses 
that they have carried with them through their families. And I think there are a lot of things with addiction and divorce and um, all sorts of different things that families just kind of view as normal that they don't have to accept as their normal. They can choose to break that cycle for their family and choose a different path. And you know this too, you know, with your own story about addiction, um, it takes, it's hard. It's hard to stand up and go, this is where I was and I'm not staying here and I'm gonna do the work to change it because this isn't who I'm going to be forever. And I think it's my job to help people understand that where you are right now is not where you have to be forever. You get the choice. Every single day that you wake up, you can make a different choice. And, and so that's another part of, of that. And I don't know, it's going to form itself into some sort of ministry at some point, I think, um, helping people. I don't know exactly what that looks like logistically yet, um, but I'm just open to to helping anyone and really men or women navigate through divorce. Um, even if it's just walking them through, I, I have several single mom friends who I've walked them through their divorce. And when they're at that point where they're just in so much pain and they're, they really want to lash out at their ex and they really want to hurt them. Um, I'll say, text me everything you want to say and then put your phone down <laughs> and in 24 hours i will help you respond in an appropriate manner <laughs> um because i think sometimes we get so wrapped up in our own emotions mm-hmm. about things that it's really hard to move forward and not lash out and when you're in pain a lot of times misery loves company you kind of mm-hmm. want to bring the rest of the world down with you um so it's my job as I see it to help people find a better way to, to address that and channel that. So my divorce was one of the hardest things I've ever gone through. Um, so I'm happy to be able to, to reach back and help people through that because it's not an easy process. No, it's not. I, I know several folks, some very close to me that have been through divorce and, um, it is, it is life altering at least. And sometimes it can be life shattering at least for yes. a while. Uh, Bruce Feiler um, has a new book out and he calls these events such as divorce or addiction and recovery life quakes. And mm-hmm. these are things that happen to all human beings, whether we want them or not, you know, the job that we lose or the relationship that we lose, the death of a loved one, addiction, uh, health issues, um, you know, just random acts of violence that somehow we're in the middle of sometimes. These things happen to human beings all the time. And, and really, we don't have um, systems in place that help us navigate the reality that suffering happens every day. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we don't do, this is my view coming in, we don't do a great job in our times in our society of recognizing the pain and suffering that is reality as much of our lives and holding that with tenderness instead of trying mm-hmm. to outcompete it and shame it and you're doing it wrong and you're not, you know, you're not scaling, you're not growing, therefore you're losing, you're doing it badly. And these are many of the messages that are out there for men and women and others. 
And really what we need is, is just a more accurate system and a more accurate way of navigating change because that's all this really is. So right. when, I, when I got sober, I was like, well, wait a minute, this isn't just about addiction. This is really something core to being human that's been going on for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And that was my particular lens. My lens into this greater reality was addiction recovery. But then I thought, well, no, there's also, like you said, divorce and death and loss and it's really, how do we deal with pain? And, right. and, and what do we do about that? How do we learn from it? How do we grow with it? How do we navigate it? So I love the path that you're on there. Well, thank you. Um, and grief. I think grief is another yep. very diminished thing mm -hmm. in our society. Um, and, and I have seen some positive changes um, over the last several years in terms of, as you were saying, you know, earlier when you said men, if you're a very caring person, please don't shut that part of you off. Um, I have seen some, you know, inching forward, <laughs> I would say over my lifetime in terms of, of kind of turning away from that idea that, that only women are allowed to be tender and caring and that men have to suck it up and hold those emotions in. Um, and I think there are also a lot of women who feel like, well, I have to be strong and I don't mm -hmm. need anybody how sad to not need anybody in your life. We're meant to do things in community. And, and that's, that's not coming from a place of true independence. That's coming from a place of hurt and grief and being able to acknowledge that and, and learn to accept help when it's offered and learn to ask for help when you need it is a beautiful and humbling experience that really helps you grow, I think. Yes, it absolutely does. I agree 100%. And the folks that I work with, and I know that you work with now too, um, through my business right now that I've been doing for a while is, is, you know, oftentimes they come to these tender places, whether they're emotionally wired or not, you know, mm -hmm. there comes a place where they're vulnerable, either, either intellectually or from an identity level or emotionally, however they experience it. But, but they don't have context for how to take the next step. They don't really know uh, from within their own thoughts, their own feelings, their own actions, uh, where to go next. And it is so incredibly rewarding not to fix that, not to necessarily even help them find the way through, but just hold the space so that they can exist there for a while mm -hmm. and see what they find. My goodness, if we were give that kind of uh, attention and care to one another, to hold conversations that are difficult and let it be unresolved for a while. It's amazing just to, the number of times that I've seen that happen with individuals and just holding it with, uh, with kindness and with love. And people yes. know they, they, they kind of settle into their bodies and, and they may or may not have an answer, but it at least gives them permission to feel, permission to grieve, permission to lose or to be uncertain. And Right. It's just a wonderful gift to be able to share that with others. Well, and if you think about it, when you grow the most mm -hmm. is when you're in that discomfort, yep. when you're in that pain. And and just like when we grow physically, we have growing pains. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're working on, on diet, we have hunger pains. If we're working on building muscle, we get sore. Emotionally, um, you grow the most when you're willing to just sit in the discomfort for a little bit and go, yeah, this isn't my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think you learn a lot more about yourself. And I think 
as a society, it would be wonderful if we could all, like you said, hold space for people where they are and encourage that because I think everybody would grow through that instead of slapping a Band-Aid on, you know, whatever that Band-Aid is, over shopping, over eating, over drinking, you know, um, going out with friends, you know, hitting up bars and hooking up with people. There are all sorts of, of ways to distract yourself from the pain mm -hmm. that don't, but the only way to go through it is to, to just kind of live with it for a while and find your way out of it. You can distract yourself for a long time, but it's not really going to fix anything. It sure doesn't. And, you know, the word uh, transformation, it's been used for a lot of years and around coaching and change management. But truly to transform something, it's to take it from one form and make it into another form. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in terms of pain, until I learned to start to deal with my own pain and suffering, within the context of my own life, it's like, well, wait a minute, how am I responding to pain? What am I doing? What am I blaming others for that really I'm just uncomfortable about? And mm -hmm. believe me, this is a learning process. I'm still doing it. <laughs> that doesn't me too. End. It doesn't end. <laughs> no, because every time you've got that part figured out, then you get to be a little more uncomfortable somewhere else. That's True. humanity. <laughs> well, and we all have an ego, you know, and so our ego wants to win. And so it doesn't want to feel pain. It doesn't want to lose. It doesn't want to lose face. So it's constantly finding that little trickster inside of us and, and trying to pin it down and, and be true. Mm -hmm. And that's the challenge for me, you know, to not eject. I, I call myself a recovering escape artist. Yes. And, and just get me out. And that's, that's called being human. You know, it's not unique to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> but when we truly learn to deal like, like you're working with others and like I do as well, and like we're talking now, looking at our pain, looking at these generational dynamics and thinking about, well, I want to do things differently. You know, there's, there's mm -hmm. some things that I see that could be done differently, which is a core reason why I do what I do today. Very loving right. family, love everybody that's listening to this. But there's some ways that, I, that I've seen that uh, I thought could be different. And mm -hmm. if that's better or worse, I don't know. But uh, that's what I've been doing for the past 15 years, for sure. And uh, it's been richly rewarding. But you have to really look at your stuff in order to do that. Right. Well, and, and it takes a lot of courage to go through the really hard stuff and, and to process past hurts or current hurts or accept the fact that other people may not have the capacity or the ability to respond the way you would like them to and that you can choose to love them anyway and that you can also set those boundaries with them um, of, of I can love you and I can respect you but I respect and love myself enough that I'm not willing to allow this to bring me down, that I'm going to continue to get better in my own way. And, and sadly, sometimes when you go through recovery from, from any number of things, it does mean that some of the relationships in your life um, change and not always in positive ways because not everybody wants to grow. Um, but I think there's a lot of courage and a lot of strength in going, I'm going to do this for me and for, for my kids and for my spouse. And we're going to walk through the hard stuff because I want to get to that other side. Even if it doesn't mean that side with me is there on the other side. 
Yeah, that's the hard part. That's the courage. You've been there, done that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know what I mean? And uh, from one person to another who's gone through those things. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners have too. Um, it's just, it is so worth it. If I can say anything on this point that we're talking around now, going through really hard changes is how I'd summarize it. it for the long haul, it does take courage and it takes perseverance and a commitment. And man, you've got to be so rigorously uh, honest with yourself. That's the hard part. And it takes people around you that can support you in that endeavor. Without mm-hmm. Alcoholics Anonymous, I never would have stayed sober. Without Al-Anon, I never would have been able to work with other crazy alcoholics because <laughs> we're impossible to bear with, you know, without, <laughs> they're lying to my face. You know, I remember telling my sponsor, they're lying to me. I know they're not sober. And they said, well, have you been to Al-Anon? And I said, no. Well, then that started my journey in working with people on the other side of addiction. Right. Yeah. So it's a very different lens. Well, and it's funny to me on the topic of addiction, how much that reaches out and touches every aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, my my father was an alcoholic and, and has been in recovery for since I was in sixth grade. So like 30 something years now. That's amazing. Um, and, and I think that's one of the reasons he, like I said, I have amazing, incredible, wonderful, supportive parents. But it was really hard to walk through where he was in his life to get to where we are now. But in my own life, I see how I both repeated some of the patterns that I saw laid out for me and made decisions based on the fact that we hadn't completely healed through all of that. Um, And so it's interesting. I think at every point in your life, you can look back and go, Oh, if I knew now what I knew then, I would have handled this differently. Um, but, but it was one of the hardest things my family ever walked through was his addiction. And my parents, thankfully, are still married, um, which was not necessarily going to be the case um, at one point. You know, they, they had separated and, and my dad was really struggling with depression and, and anxiety and, um, and he had the courage to walk through um, healing Mm-hmm. And he's a psychiatrist. Like, so you would think he had some sort of frame of reference for some of these things. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, seeing that really gave me a lot of a lot of hope mm-hmm. for the future and and the belief that really anybody can change because my dad, I love him and he knows that I share this story with some people, so I'm not speaking out of turn here, but Mm -hmm. um, there was a big barbecue. We used to have this huge group of friends from church that we did everything with every, you know, on Easter's and our first communion was together and, you know, we would see them at Christmas and it was like this big family where I lived, but it was all different families just as friends. Um, And we had a barbecue on the 4th of July, the summer before between fifth and sixth grade for me. And my dad got so drunk Mm. that he fell down and scraped his knee and couldn't feel it. He hit on my mom's best friend. Um, He got his buffet, his plate from the buffet and then like sat down at the buffet table to eat it. Like, like hideously inappropriate Mm -hmm. actions um, to the point where I noticed and I was the one who confronted him when we got home and I said that was so embarrassing for me and that was so hard for me um, 
to see. And that next morning he went to AA because, because I was willing to confront him. And that was hard because part of the family dynamic that goes with alcoholism, as I'm sure you know, is codependency. And, and I have struggled at various times in my life with being severely codependent. I'm a fixer and I'm a chameleon. If there's a problem, I'm going to go in and I'm going to figure out how to keep the peace. And, and as a chameleon, I will go in and I'll be whatever you need. You need a leader. I am there. You need a follower. I am there. Like there's, there's nothing, nothing in there that I'm not willing to do to keep the status quo, which really isn't healthy. (laughs) Um, in, in all aspects. Um, but it, it was a huge growth moment for me to be able to go to him and say, um, sorry, I don't know what I just did there, to be able to go to him and say that, um, that that was really embarrassing and really hard for me to watch. And my mom had been talking to him for years about it. But when I finally stood up and said, I don't ever want to go in public with you again at this point, um, it made a change. And I think everybody has the ability to be a catalyst for change in, in their lives. And sometimes it takes just that 30 seconds of courage to stand up and go, I don't like where this is going. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, and that can change everything. Yes, it really can. And the laughter is at uh, blind at your posture when you sit, you're like, I'm in here and I'm out of there. I'm just going to say this and I'm out. (laughs) So for those that can't see, um, absolutely. And, you know, I thank you for sharing that, by the way. Um, I could, I know that you've shared it before and, and we've spoken, but thank you for sharing it with our listeners. And just, again, I'm going to pause again for those that, that are getting, um, getting fed from this conversation with Blythe. I know I am, I'm going to go back and listen to it. And I mean that. Um, and, and for those that are facing addiction in their family and, and maybe uh, someone who is an addict that have, or an alcoholic that have thought about recovery, I hope that, that you're hearing this and maybe it's given you um, an opportunity to think twice. So if you have a loved one who's struggling with addiction, maybe it's time you had that conversation with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's time that you're, you're tired and sick and tired of being sick and tired of being embarrassed or or you call someone to get some help with that conversation. But regardless, addiction doesn't have to continue on. It doesn't have to be your life story or your loved one's one's life story. Uh, The only person that we can really control is ourselves at best. Right. But but we can influence others. And sometimes by changing one little thing, by having some courage and standing up and speaking the truth, can really make a tremendous impact for so many people uh, in the cycle of addiction. Right. Well, and I think that whole idea of one day at a time, mm-hmm. not not just for addicts, but but for everybody, you don't have to have the answer to every problem in the world right now. You just have to wake up and do your best right now for this day. And, and tomorrow's another day. You don't need to borrow the problems from tomorrow. Um, they'll, they'll show up all on their own, whether or not you invite them, don't worry. (laughs) Um, but really, you know, taking things one day at a time, instead of looking at the whole mountain, you have to climb and going, yeah, that's never going to happen, but going, okay, I just, for today, I just have to take a step. Um, and that when recovering from, from depression or grief or, or any of the things I've gone through in my life, that's how I've overcome anything I've gone through is 
yeah, at my at my lowest depression, um, there have been times when when I thought, okay, I I literally have enough energy to get the kids out the door to school, and then lay on the couch and cry. That's all I can do. And so I would do that, and I would set the timer for an hour and I would go okay you can lay here and cry for an hour and then you have to take a shower and you have 10 minutes in which you have to shower and then if you feel like it you can come right back to the couch <laughs> but taking those little steps really helped me see that it's not as overwhelming and then really finding other people in my life whose lives weren't perfect Mm -hmm. people who were struggling being and that's one of the biggest reasons for me that I want to share my stories and share everything I've been through in my life because I want people to know you're not alone that that there's so many other people out there who are struggling and very very few people I've never yet met anyone who has it all together there may be someone out there but I've never met one and I know a lot of people so <laughs> Um, being sincere and authentic about who you are because it not only helps you walk through it and take ownership of it and all of a sudden those things that seemed so scary don't seem scary anymore because the more you talk about your struggles the less power they feel like they have over you so then taking that that next little step forward and sharing with somebody even if it's just you need to send me an email and go hey I really struggle with this you know, just talking about it and realizing that you're not alone and that everybody struggles and not everybody has the same struggles. Um, but I don't know anybody in the world who has not had a single problem to work through. No, so. I don't either. And I'm, I'm fairly candid with mine on even on social media, you know, I still struggle with depression and uh, hopelessness at times. And mm -hmm. this is part of the pattern. It's a very deep seated pattern. It doesn't seem to be my own either. It goes on for generations on both sides of the family. Mm -hmm. So it seems to be collective. And so th there's people all around the world, like Blythe, like you're saying, that that struggle, but we can actually support each other and speak a little bit of, of truth and life uh, into those dark places and uh, help each other through instead of just isolating and, and being all on your own. So really appreciate you going there. Well, Blythe, we're back. I apologize. I had a power flicker here and uh, the internet went down, but thankfully the uh, Zoom uh, saved the audio. So now for all of you entrepreneurs that want to know the answer to that question, yes, it will save your recording, most likely. <laughs> and hopefully uh, you won't have any more technical glitches like that. That's, no. that's frustrating. I know. <laughs> that's right. It does not bring joy. But uh, <laughs> no, but, but it, see, we recovered, we overcame it. We did. Patience is my word of the year. Uh, th that's my word for 2021. So uh, as I'm sweating here right now, I'm feeling patience. This is what patience feels like. <laughs> yes. Well, you're a brave man to choose patience. Oh, um, I know. The word, uh, I was always taught you never ask for patience because God will give you chances to practice patience. I know it. And that's that's one. It's a challenge. It's a challenging question yes. for myself. But it but the root word of the word patience, um, P-A-T-I, means suffering. And so it it literally means to be with suffering and to pay mm -hmm. attention to it. And that's, that's my goal to not eject, 
to be with it and, and not indulge in things that, that aren't here or there, but uh, to be real with life. And so it's just a deepening. Well, I'm very proud of you. That's, that's you. wonderful. Thank you. Well, enough about patience and power outages. Um, I want to invite you, <laughs> Blythe, to share how folks can reach out to you to get in touch or how they might follow along with you. Well, um, so probably the best way to reach me about about anything really is probably my email. Um, and I my email is Blythe, which is B-L-Y-T-H-E at joyfully, joy, J-O-Y-F-U-L-L-Y abundant, A-B-U-N-D-A-N-T dot me, M-E. Um, and I, when I chose that email address, I did not think about how long it was. But um, I do actually, um, I have a very, very small blog called Joyfully Abundant. And I do have a Facebook page about Joyfully Abundant that um, I think you've inspired me to get back up and running and, and posting on. So awesome. um, looking for Joyfully Abundant is the best way to find me, I think. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll put those links in the show notes too. So folks can reach out to you and, and uh share a few other things about our conversation. And I hope that lots of folks share this podcast episode. It's been a lot of fun, but more than that, it's been meaningful. And uh, I'm inspired just by sitting down here with you. My day's better. So Blythe, I really appreciate you sitting down with me and being a guest on the show. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been wonderful to get to talk to you. And I hope that, that we've helped some people. I do too. You've been listening to the Live Your Purpose podcast. I hope you've been inspired by my conversation with today's guest. If you like what you hear, please share with your social networks and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. To learn more about the life coaching, public speaking, and retreat services that I offer, visit fullintegrationcoaching.com. And you can follow along with me on Facebook and Instagram at Full Integration Coaching. Until next time, remember, you were meant to live on purpose. Start living yours today. <laughs>